Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Staggering. What I'm talking about is marriage that has been affected because of the fact that either the husband or the wife has fallen, quote, madly in love, end quote, with someone else. And in that relationship, which sometimes is only a deeply emotional connection, otherwise called an emotional affair, but most of the time it also becomes sexual and therefore becomes true infidelity in every sense of the word. Sometimes the spouse who is in that feels that he or she has discovered something that nobody else has ever felt. Nobody has ever had this kind of relationship with someone else. Nobody has ever felt this kind of love, this kind of intensity. We were meant to be with each other. We call that limerence. It's a word that was coined back in the 1970s by Dorothy Tenov, Ph.D. She wrote a fascinating book on it after having done qualitative research by interviewing a lot of people who said that they were madly in love with another person. And so she wrote the initial work on it that for a while, interestingly, was rejected, rejected by counselors and therapists and psychologists and researchers and others, because it didn't seem to fit into what they already understood. Yet since then, it has become accepted because of the fact that it is so very true. Yet, interestingly, some counselors, some therapists, even some psychologists have still never heard of it. I am often invited to different places to teach counselors or therapists and such about this subject. And because of the fact that we deal with so many marriages where that one of the spouses is in limerence with someone else, we have a great deal of experience. I haven't done research on it. The most current research on it is done by Helen Fisher, Ph.D., my research is in different areas than limerence, yet with the people that work with us and the nonprofit that is called Marriage Helper, working so many, by the way, goes into the thousands of couples, we have experienced it with people in every way that you can possibly imagine, which gives us a great deal of insight into it that I wish to share with you tonight. Now, because I talk about limerence so much on this program, I'm not going to be talking about the fundamentals of it so much. Actually, I'm going to give just a little bit of that for people who have not heard us discuss limerence before, but only just a little. And then I'm going to start answering questions that people have been sending me. Among other things, we have a closed group on Facebook called Save My Marriage. Closed means that you actually have to apply to become a member of it. And we have, well, coming up towards 4,000, I guess now, people just in that group. And today, several of those people gave me questions about limerence, and I'm going to start with their questions because they're some really good ones. And I'll go through those, and then as we have time, I'll start taking the live calls toward the end where people can talk about specific situations that, that you're facing, for example, if you wish to talk to me. But first, just a couple of the basics we've talked about before, and then to the questions we've been asked even today. Limerence is a state of feeling madly in love to the point where you become focused on that other person. As a matter of fact, according to Fisher's work, you can spend up to 85% of your waking hours thinking about that other person. It's indeed obsessive thinking. 
And there's a halo effect that takes place so that because of this positive emotion and feeling you have toward this individual, if you are in limerence with him or her, you typically do not notice his or her faults or flaws. As a matter of fact, you just don't see them. And if you are forced to see them, you tend to explain them away. Like, well, I know that's what that looks like, but it's not nearly as bad as you think it is. And people in limerence then, because of the fact that they are so focused on this other person, they genuinely, genuinely want the other person to reciprocate. And therefore, when they feel that the LO, the limerent object, the person they're, quote, madly in love with, end quote, is responding by feeling those same kinds of emotions toward them, they are in ecstasy. At the same time, if they feel like that other person, the one that they're in this limerence with, is rejecting them for any reason, even to the slightest degree, it can be absolutely miserable so that it becomes an emotional roller coaster. They do not have limerence. Nobody has limerence with more than one person at a time. It's always focused on just one person. As a matter of fact, if you want to learn a lot about it, rather than reading all the research, go online to one of these sites that have the lyrics of songs and look up the lyrics to When a Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge. And he'll explain it. If she's bad, he can't see it. That's one of the lyrics of the song. He talks about the fact that he'll sleep out in the rain if that's, what, if that's the way she says it ought to be, meaning he wants to please her no matter what. That there's no other girl, again, that focus. He talks about the fact that, well, all these things, the halo effect, all those things are actually wrapped up in the lyrics of that song. And so if you really want to understand limerence, go look at that song because it explains it extremely well, including the fact that she can bring him such misery. That's a, that emotional roller coaster that we talk about. The work of Fisher and others indicates that limerence will last somewhere between three months and 36 months, though lately... I've been seeing that pushed out a little bit toward the 48th month period. But let's try to think positively and think that limerence will typically end somewhere between three months and 36 months. I have seen it end in as short a time as three months. I've also seen it take three years or sometimes a little longer than three years. If it goes beyond that 48 months, it's what we would call a statistical outlier. In other words, it's a rare thing. It doesn't typically go that long at all. And limerence, based on our experience, appears to have three stages. What we'll call the initial or beginning stage, the middle stage, and the final stage. Some people ask me, well, how long does each stage last? Well, it varies based on the individual, the situation, circumstances. So I can't tell you that the first stage is going to be exactly one-third of the limerence experience, and the middle stage another one-third. It doesn't work like this. Sometimes the initial stage is longer the middle stage is shorter. I mean, it just varies. But think about it in these three ways. The initial stage is when a person is beginning to fall into limerence and beginning to feel these intense emotions toward this other person. During the initial stage, if a person in limerence is married to someone else, and so here it is, it's a husband falling in limerence with some other woman or a wife falling in limerence with some other man. Often in the initial stages, often they'll actually try to pull away from it. They'll try to stop. Because it's like, oh, my goodness, I, this is an amazing sensation. I'm getting involved in this, but I'm married. And therefore, this is the wrong thing to do. I need to stop this. I don't want to do this. And they'll try to pull away. And either the other person, the LO, the limerent object, if that person is going in faster and deeper, will pull them back. And they can do it in all kinds of ways. They know when to get sick. They know when to cry. They know when to appear to be the loneliest person on the planet. They, they know when to let that other person who's trying to pull away know, oh, I'm, I'm facing this really bad time. Can you just be my 
friend for a while. They have all kinds of things that they do, not necessarily because they're evil people. Don't think I'm painting that picture, but because they too are in this limerent state thinking I can't exist without you. And so if a husband or wife is trying to pull out of it because this is wrong, it's against my beliefs and values. I am now doing something that's against what I believe and have taught my children to believe and have been teaching other people at church or whatever, and they try to pull out, often the other person will pull, pull them back in. And sometimes it's not even the other person that pulls them back in. It's when they pull themselves away from it, they, they begin to think, oh my goodness, I can't live like this. This submission is so strong. It's overpowering. It's overwhelming until finally they just give in and go back. Now, at least in the initial stage, there is some vacillation and a greater possibility of ending it than there is in the middle stage, which is what I refer to as full-fledged limerence, when a person is in such an intense level of relationship where these emotions are so powerful and so strong that at this point, this person isn't considering the possibility of leaving it. It's like this person was meant for me. Sometimes they'll even say, God sent me this person. Even, even when their own beliefs and values would be that God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Therefore, they would know logically that based on their belief and value system that God didn't send that person. Yet, emotionally, they would still say, this is the will of God. God wants me to be with him or her. And sometimes in that middle state, we'll even say things like, I have prayed and God gave him my answer. And the answer is I should leave my marriage including whether they have children, leave my marriage, sometimes leave my children, and be with the other person, that's the way you answered my prayer. Therefore, I feel complete peace within me that I'm following the will of God. By the way, when they tell you they feel that complete peace, here's the way you should hear that. They feel it occasionally because they will still know that they're in contradiction to their belief and value system, and they'll still be so connected to how the other person acts that they still have somewhat of an emotional roller coaster, even if they're not considering leaving. The emotional roller coaster based on is the other person reciprocating. Oh, I feel wonderful. This is amazing. If the other person appears to pull away or be unhappy, then oh my goodness, this hurts so badly. But in the middle state, they're not really considering leaving at all. And when they say they're at peace, remember, they really are still on the emotional roller coaster. And then there comes that last phase, the third phase, when it begins to end. And again, I can't tell you how long that will last. But when it does, you understand that vacillation starts occurring again. And they're thinking, oh my goodness, should I really be in this relationship or not. I mean, sometimes it ends because of the fact that the other person stops reciprocating and because of the fact that he or she is now apparently not wanting to be with me anymore, my limits will start to fade. I'll first do everything I can to pull them back. So it gets on the short term, extremely stronger when the other person starts pulling away. But if they continue to pull away and stay away, then it starts fading pretty rapidly. It'll also fade if they finally wind up together. Because once they get together, the fear part of it goes away. And that's what's been making it so intensely emotionally strong. And so they wind up actually together. It will actually begin now to fade as well. And will it will come down to a different level of emotion altogether. Oh, and by the way, when finally they go toward the end of or finally complete that third stage, now the halo effect is not nearly so strong. And they can see the flaws and the weaknesses and the faults in the other person. And often... 
particularly if they've given up something like a marriage or children or whatever else that has been important to them to be with that person. That's often when they actually really do pull away. It's like I gave up all this for you, and now I see that you're not what I thought you were. Now, if you understand that and follow that all the way through, I've given you the basis of what limerence is. But now I want to answer some of the questions that I was getting on Facebook today and, and hopefully get to some of the live calls before too long. But here's one of the questions that came today in our Facebook group called Save My Marriage. And by the way, again, if you're on Facebook and want to be in that group and you aren't in it yet, it is a closed group. So let me say again, you will have to apply to become a member. Now, what does that mean? It means that one of our team will actually see that request from you to join the group and will flip over to your Facebook page and find out a little about you. And if they find a page full of uh, the F word and all those other kinds of things and anger and vitriol, then they will not allow you into our group because we don't want people there that cause more pain for the people that are in it. But if they see that you are a decent human being by that, I mean, you're not full of anger and rage to the point you're doing crazy and stupid things or that you're not some single person trying to find somebody who might be vulnerable. We get a few of those that we weed out as well and a few others kind of things like that. But the majority of the people we accept into the group and then you can ask questions of us like this, that we actually talk about in that group. We interact with all those thousands of people that are in it. So here's one question that came today. Does limerence always end? And the answer is yes, always. Now, there is a possibility that when limerence ends, they might develop a different, a different kind of love. It will not have that ecstasy in it. It will not have that emotional roller coaster in it. It will be a more long-lasting kind of love. But the odds of people who leave a marriage because of a limit relationship, developing that kind of love with the person they left the marriage for, it's actually very small. Because when they finally come to realizing all the things they lost, they tend to hold it against the other person. And so, yes, there is a possibility it could evolve eventually into a deeper, more long-lasting kind of love. But, again, that's, that's actually pretty rare. But it will always end. The only way that it won't end is if one of them dies before it ends, such as a car wreck or something like that. How long on average and are the odds that he will then give up the other woman? Again, according to the research that's the most consistent research I've seen, it will last somewhere between 36 months. I'm sorry, somewhere between three months and 36 months, although some of the researchers are now expanding that out to 48 months. So on average, somewhere in between there, most every uh, affair that I have seen, not all, but most every affair that I've seen that's based on limerence ends by the end of the third year. Now, here's an, an interesting question you asked, though, and so... Let me give you that. You say, what are the odds that he'll then give up the other woman? I don't know any specific odds, of course, but there is a possibility that when he ends the limerence with her, that he will not come back to you unless you are doing some things that will actually draw him back. Let me explain that if I may. People do not leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. And if he's leaving you for her, then in his mind, that's better. Now, please don't be offended by that. Obviously, you can see that he believes that in his mind. If in the process of leaving you, he goes through the process that many do, not all, not every person in limerence does this, but many do. If he's going through the process where he's vilifying you, in other words, he's saying all these negative, terrible things about you in his heart, in his mind, 
that gives him the justification for leaving you to be with that other woman, if he vilifies you like that, and if he rewrites history, which is another thing that many people in limerence do, rewriting history means that he will look at you and tend to have little to no memory of the good experiences that you've had together, and yet an exaggerated, exacerbated memory of any problems and troubles that you've had so that your flaws actually get magnified in his mind. And so if you've been writing history about you and making it very negative, now, by the way, this is not something that the limerick does consciously. This is happening on an unconscious, subconscious level, subconscious, I should say, level. And if that's happening there, if he's doing that, then even if he ends up with the other woman, he will not necessarily come back to you because he has convinced himself that it's not good to be with you. Now, how do you overcome that? I have online, as a matter of fact, we, I shouldn't say our organization or nonprofit has online a 10-week course that you can look into that actually will teach you over a 10-week period things you can do to help alleviate that. If you're interested in that, you go to marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper.com marriagehelper slash save my marriage, all one long word. So marriagehelper.com slash one word, save my marriage. And it'll tell you about that 10-week course. But what we show you there is the things that you can do because you can work on you to continue to develop, to grow all these other kinds of things. So that even if at this point with him involved with that other woman, he's vilifying you and rewriting history negatively. And even if after a limerence ends, he still thinks it's better off to be without you because he's painted such a negative picture of you in his brain, you can actually reverse that. Now, how do you do that? Again, not by doing something to him, but doing something to you. You work on you. And when that happens, remember, people don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. And so when he finally winds up alone, you're going to make it where that he sees that being with you is better than being alone. But that's going to have to overcome all this rewriting history, this negativism, all these other things that he's done. And so that means you being consistently loving and kind and gentle. And that course teaches you how to do that. Now, when I say consistently, I don't mean perfectly because you will not do that. And so let's see. Here's another one, very similar, but a little bit different. What's the timeline with limerence and vacillation? Well, vacillation typically, as I already talked about, occurs either in the first phase or the third phase, which is the final phase. My husband wanted to reconcile a month ago, and now he's completely committed to be with a woman again. I'm glad you pointed that out because, because you understand that this, this three phases, going through phase one, phase two, phase three of limerence, is not altogether a smooth, linear process. Sometimes it's three steps forward and two steps back which means they, they, like, for example, in phase one, when they're first falling into limerence and they're having some vacillation there, it'll be like, I, I want to be with you. You're the most amazing thing. This is, I've never felt like this. Nobody's ever felt like this. And then the next day or even the same day, oh my goodness, this is wrong. I can't do this. I, I need to get away from this. And then the day after, oh my goodness, I want to be back with you because I miss you so much. And so that kind of three steps forward, two steps back, not only occurs in the initial or stage one, it also occurs in stage three, where it's like, I want to put my marriage back together. I really want to leave this other person. But remember, if she's still in phase two limerence, when he's in phase three limerence, and he's vacillating and wanting to pull away, she will pull out all stops. Now, again, I'm not trying to paint her as evil, although my says you see her that way. But because of the intense limerence that she feels, it's like, I can't let this go. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And she'll do everything she can to pull him back. 
And so it's not unusual to hear something like my husband wanted to reconcile a month ago and now is completely committed to her again. That's because he was vacillating and she pulled him back. Now, hopefully that vacillation will return. If indeed he truly was in phase three, then at some point, I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow, a week from tomorrow, a month from tomorrow, three months from tomorrow, but at some point, He's going to start that vacillation again. And so if you still want to stand for your marriage, if you still want to try to make this thing work, then you continue to be all those things we teach you to do in that online Save My Marriage course. You, you are strong. You are kind. You are gentle. You don't let yourself be walked on at all. That's not, that's not a part of this. But you still make it so that when that vacillation comes again, he sees the good, strong you not the whining, weak, complaining, begging, manipulative you that sometimes people come, people become because they think somehow that'll help them save their marriages. Don't do that. Be that strong person, please. Now, somebody said, well, can you mention any signs that happen when people are starting to come out of limerence or when they're wavering? Well, I think that is the sign. You see some wavering. Now, you may not see it immediately because it may be occurring just between the two of them. But what's going to happen between the two of them is that arguments are going to start. And with time, they become a little bit more intense and they start saying some pretty tough things to each other. And when they finally, by the way, get to the point of accusing each other, you know what you cost me? You know what part of my life I've given up from you? That is when it's really getting closer toward the end. Or they start spending time away from each other. Like before, it was like we can't be with each other enough. This is all we want to do. It's, it's, I'm, everything in life is fulfilled when I'm with you. But now they begin to have periods of time apart, but they're not being forced apart. It's not like one of them has to work out of state for the next three weeks. It means they actually just start spending time apart, even though they could be together. And then another one, and you actually may start hearing about it somewhere through here, it's when they start telling people negative things about the other person, which they did not do before. But they're the same things like, well, you know, I thought she was like this, but let me tell you what she's really like. Or, hey, I thought he was like Prince Charming. <laughs> no, not a prince nor charming. Let me tell you about this. Those are the kinds of things that start happening when it starts falling apart. And hopefully one of the signs would be if your spouse has not vilified you so terribly that he or she will start actually coming around you more and having more open conversations with you and actually spending some time with you where the two of you enjoy being with each other, like going to your kid's ball game. But rather than being strained and stressed, you actually sit next to each other and laugh and talk about things. All of those can be signs that is happening. Okay, here's another one. I have a question. What happens when Limerick starts fading, but the LO won't let him go because she depends on him. She depends on him financially. She depends on him in other ways. And she can't afford to lose him, therefore, because of the money. And she'll do anything to keep him. And he feels responsible. Is there any way out of this? By the way, it's not unusual for a person who is in limerence, even if they're on the phase three and coming out of limerence, to feel some responsibility toward the limerence object. And not just toward the limerence object, but if the limerence object has children to feel some responsibility toward her children, his children as well, if they have made promises. For example, not long ago, a lady told me, she said, my husband said, I can't come back to you because I promised her I would never leave her. Now, as the woman was telling me this, and of course her heart was breaking, I said, if that 
ever is said by him again, may I suggest a response for you. Now, don't do it in an attacking way or you just shut him down. You don't want to do that. You don't want to get him angry. You don't want to get him defensive. But the next time he tells you that, if you can calmly and gently look at him and say, you know, I actually can appreciate your sense of responsibility. That's one of the things I love about you as well, that you live up to your responsibilities. But if you can just help me a little bit, because I'm struggling with this, just help me understand why do you not feel that way about the promise that you made to me? Now, if you do it gently and kindly enough, and he's really talking to you, you may actually trigger some thinking that it'll do a whole lot of good. But, and the conversation I just gave you, if it comes across as attacking or manipulative or anything else, you'll just shut him down and he'll move away. So may he wind up feeling responsible for her? The answer is yes. Can you logically convince him that he is not? If he is still in limerence, even the third phase of limerence, then likely the answer is no. Because, because in that situation, and you start saying you shouldn't feel that way. I mean, your responsibility is here. She's just using you. She just wants your money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even if he's toward the end of the third or final stage of limerence, he'll react negatively to that. He'll want to defend her and defend what he's doing for her. And so logic typically only works if indeed, indeed, they have actually ended. Then you can say, honey, I understand your sense of wanting to be responsible, but let's think this thing through. Or if you want to talk to you about him, then you get him to talk to somebody else who's logical and reasonable, can help him think it through. While he's in it, the only thing you can do is to let him know when you have needs or your children have needs, but not in an attacking way, not in a way that's going to make him defensive. But like, I'm, I know you love your children, or I know you care about what happens to us, or I, I know you don't want me to be in distress, and here are some things that I need or that we need, and hopefully start directing him that direction as you do. Okay, here's another one. If vacillation is present, how do you know if it's the beginning of limerence or the ending of limerence? My wife was already having a crisis of faith due to the depression from bad things that happened to her, and she renounced God. So I'm not sure she comes back to God and back to me when the limerence ends. That's really two different questions there, isn't it? I think that it's not going to be always possible to know exactly where a person is. I mean, we don't have any kind of test we could give a person to say, oh, you're about halfway through phase one, or wow, you're toward the end of phase two. I mean, no such test exists. You understand that? Because remember, step forward, two steps back kind of thing. It, it moves. It, it's not something stagnant that we can measure easily. And so I can't tell you where a person is exactly. But if you're going to be trying to figure out, is this the beginning stage vacillation or ending stage vacillation? I guess the question you ask yourself is, has there been any evidence of a middle phase? The middle phase is when there's no vacillation at all. I'm convinced I want to be with this other person. This is what my life is going to be. I'll give up everything for him or for her. So if there's no phase two, I would say, or you have no awareness of phase two, then I'm guessing that it's going to be phase one vacillation. If you know there's been a phase two, even if it wasn't all that long, I'm guessing it's going to be phase three. Now to the second part of it. Okay, she's having a crisis of faith because of all the bad things. She's renounced God. How can I insure? That's a word I don't know how to help you with. Insure. You see, people always make their own decisions. Everybody does. And if you 
do all the right things that still won't ensure that she comes back to you or that she comes back to God. I mean, because people make their own decisions. So I can't tell you how to ensure anything about what she does. I would hope that she comes back to you and comes back to God. Man, maybe it's going to be in the other order. Maybe you should come back to God before she comes back to you. As you described, and by the way, he described some of the bad things that she went through. I didn't read them on air for some uh, privacy sake. But she's been through some pretty tough things, and she's pretty angry with God about that. I don't know that you are the one that's going to be able to help her with that. Maybe you will, if ever, ever she talks to you about that. Wonderful. But sometimes when people have been through great tragedies and therefore have great crises of faith, it's better for them to talk to somebody who is actually a professional in that area. In other words, somebody who understands both the theology, but also how to lend them to understand and help them through that. A friend of mine told me something a few years ago that makes a lot of sense to me. And here's what he said. He said, sometimes the thing you should be praying for is God send the right person into my life or God send the right person into my wife's life or my husband's life or my child's life. Sometimes rather than asking, oh, God, make this happen, it's just wiser to say, send the right person who can facilitate that happening. And so I would suggest in your case that you pray that God will send the right person into her life to help her deal with her anger toward God. And hopefully at some point, at some point, deal with her anger toward him. Okay, let's see. Um, Here's another one. At one point, she said her affair partner is jealous. Is that not a sign of Limerick's ending? Stage three? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, it could be. That's just not enough information for me to be able to tell you that it is or is not. The fact that he's jealous, that pretty well goes with Limerick's all the way through, even intensely in phase two, because of the fact that you're so afraid this other person may leave you. Remember, that's why there's always that emotional roller coaster. It's always there. And so jealousy could exist in phase one, phase two, and phase three. The fact that she told you he's jealous, could that possibly mean maybe she's beginning to come out of Limerick's? Yes, that's possible, but there's also a lot of other possibilities that exist as well. I mean, I don't know you're the situation, so is she telling you that to hurt you? I hope not. Is she telling you that because of the fact that she's um, beginning to resent the fact that he's controlling and jealous, those kinds of things? If so, that's good. I'm glad she's telling you that, and yeah, that's a good sign. You want that to happen. I just don't have enough information to give you a true opinion on that. And you say, at what point do the frequency of lies typically begin to slow down or stop being told? Okay. People lie because either they're trying to keep out of trouble or because they're trying to protect you from something they think is going to hurt you, or they just lie. And when people are in a situation where they're doing things they know that you don't approve of, they will lie. I mean, it's just common. Sometimes people say to me, my spouse had an affair, and the thing that hurts to me most was the fact that she lied to me or that he lied to me. Well, what did you expect? I mean, if they're already violating their beliefs and value system to be involved with somebody other than their own spouse, you understand that they are now crossing all kinds of borders when it comes to morality, and lying then becomes an easy thing to do. When will that slow down? When will it stop? At whatever point she's no longer afraid of of being judged for what she's doing wrong, or she's no longer afraid that you'll be hurt, 
In other words, she just doesn't really care anymore. That'll stop the lying unless she's just an, a habitual liar. And if that's the case, then there's probably going to need to be some therapy down the line somewhere. Hopefully, hopefully what will happen is rather than her coming to the point, she doesn't care that she's doing something, quote, wrong, end quote. And hopefully she doesn't come to the point of thinking, I don't care what you think anymore. Hopefully what will happen is finally she'll go through phase three, come out of limerence. And if indeed, then you can start putting a relationship back together. There may still be some lies at the beginning of that. But again, those lies would be based on trying to stay out of trouble or trying not to hurt you. But at that point, there's actually a way to work through the lies. And we'll be glad to help you understand what to do then. What's going to happen basically is you're going to give her immunity to tell you the truth. And we can show you how to do that where it works. And when you give her immunity to tell you the truth, then then you'll start coming toward the end of the line. Okay, uh, let's see now. Uh, my husband has called it off with the other woman for over a month now. He's still struggling about whether he wants to be married. He's on the tail end of limerence. That's vacillating, right? Yes, that's vacillating. My question is how to get him hope. He thinks he's ruined us, and he thinks there's no hope. We spend a lot of time together, and almost all of it is good, but he still sees pain when he looks at me. And it's struggling because he doesn't feel emotionally connected. Okay. A couple of things there, if I may. First of all, I'm glad that it's been over for a month. I'm glad that he wants to be married. That's wonderful. If indeed you're going to help him get past that. And, and by the way, what I'm about to say is a whole lot easier to say than do. And I admit that right off the bat. Indeed, you can stop showing the pain. Now, that might mean that you need to find a good counselor or therapist who will help you deal with your pain so that you can get past it. But you would understand, it, because of the fact that he's sensitive to what he's done, he is sensitive to the fact that he has hurt you. Now, do you want him to understand that you have been hurt? Yes, that's important. You really do. But if you continue to demonstrate that kind of pain in front of him, and he has that kind of sensitivity, it'll just blow him away. Think about it this way. Guilt is good in the sense that it tells us something's wrong, fix it. But unending guilt, perpetual guilt, is debilitating. It just completely shuts another person down. And if he continues to see that hurt and pain and agony on your face, then he will continue to feel guilty, which will shut him down, which in the long run will actually cause more problems than you want to have. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have pain. You should. I'm not saying that he shouldn't see your pain. He should know that it's there. He should try to understand it. But at the same time, if you can find the help that you need to deal with that pain as quickly as you can, some of which might be a conversation with him like, okay, I need to tell you how hurt I am, but I'm not going to keep this up forever. You're not going to hear this for the next three months. You're not going to hear it for the next month. I just need to have conversations so you understand. And then I want us to get past that. And, and we're going to go into forgiveness mode where that, that each of us can get past this and get past our guilt, those kinds of things. The quicker you can do that, the better off it's going to be for him. Now, I know I realize I'm sounding like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. So let me try it one more time and see if I can make it better, make better sense. It is good for him to know that you've heard. Yes. It's all right for you to let him know that. But in the description that you're giving of a man who continues to do that pain and therefore is struggling about whether or not I want to be there or not, 
I strongly suggest you get the help you need to get past that as rapidly as you can. Now, he doesn't feel emotionally connected to you right now. I get that. He's on the tail end of Lemurids, but that means Lemurids still exist to some degree. So what do you want to do? You want to recreate those emotional connections as best you can, not the emotional connection of sadness and anger and hurt and those kinds of things, but those good times you're talking about, Make as many of those as you can. And in the process, whenever he talks, no matter what he talks about, as he opens up and shares, listen, try to be understanding. You can do the same with him, but be careful not to beat him up too badly right now because of where he is. He's trying to do the right thing. So if you can just do things to create more emotional connection, and if the two of you are at the point where that you're ready to start making love with each other again, do it, but very slowly and gently because, because of the fact you're still going to have some scar tissue of, is he thinking about her? And there is a possibility that he might actually, when emotions like that start stirring, have a quick thought of her. So that's why you do it gently and warmly and slowly so that it's really a connection, not just of two bodies having sex, but two people who are actually communicating with each other. And so if you're not quite there yet, then just holding hands as you walk, sitting next to each other as you watch television, uh, laughing together. If you're sleeping in the same bed now, maybe cuddling a little bit, but not too much so that he starts pulling away. All those kinds of things can work. Okay, here's another one. Is it better for the, uh, the, spouse, the spouse who strayed to delete everything about the other person in their own time? And then she talked about something that he has that, that they share together. He and the other woman share together. And he's saying, okay, he's, he stopped all kinds of other things. They don't talk on Facebook anymore. He blocked her there. And, and uh, you know, her phone has been deleted and all those kinds of things. But he's still got this item that reminds him of her. Should I push him to get rid of that as well? And my reaction to that is, Pushing, when a person is trying to do the right thing, seldom brings about great results. Now, sometimes you have to set borders and boundaries and say, this is unacceptable behavior. It has to stop. And then there are times when you set criteria. These are some things that have to happen. My suggestion is when a person is honestly, genuinely, truly trying to do the right thing, that's not the time to set a boundary or, an, or a criteria unless you just have to. In other words, sometimes people need a little bit of time to grieve. Now, I realize that if your spouse has been in limerence or is in limerence, you're thinking, what? To grieve? I mean, I'm the one that should be grieving. I mean, he or she's the one that did what they did. I'm the one that's been hurt. Why should he or she grieve? Understand that in limerence, there is a deep emotional connection. Yes, I agree. Married to you, it shouldn't have happened. It was the wrong thing. But it was a deep emotional connection. And when people come to end that, they grieve it. They go through the grief process because they, they are, are ending something, therefore losing something, if you will, that has been very important to them and they actually go through a grief process. And the grief process shouldn't take years, but it can take a while. I remember hearing a, a speaker teaching about grief a few years ago that said when people work at it, it'll take about 14 months 
Now, that was talking about death, grief over losing somebody you love dearly who died. I'm not saying it's going to take that same length of time to grieve a limerent relationship. I'm just saying that understand it's not going to happen in a day or a week or even a month. It's going to take a little while. And if he still hangs on to that thing because of the fact that he's still going through the grief process of missing her, if it were I, I wouldn't push it right now. Now, is there a time when I would? Yes. If he continues to hang on to it and it's three months, five months, six months down the road, I might say something like, honey, I thank you so much for all that you've done to stop that. Thank you so much for helping to put this marriage back together. I know you still have that. My guess is you still have that because it's an emotional connection to her. And I even understand that. But doing what's best for both of us, I think, would be for you to get rid of that. And then listen. Let him talk. Let him explain. Okay, another one. The wayward spouses eventually realized the rewritten history wasn't as bad as they made it out to be. Speaking as one who has been through limerence and actually divorced my wife so that I could go marry the other person, that was a long time ago, back in the 1980s, I had so rewritten history so that when it came to Alice, I remembered very little of the good and a whole lot of the bad that I had exaggerated and exacerbated in my mind. I had vilified Alice, made her a bad person. Did I immediately overcome that when finally we got back together? And the answer is no, not immediately, but I did. I did. I had so programmed myself that way to make it where I could go away that it was strong, but it did go away. And I remember now so much more of the good times that Alice and I had with each other back in that first marriage that I did not allow myself to feel for a long time. So yes, it does, but it may take a little while. Okay. Here's another one. Uh, somebody asked me, I'm not going to read this one directly. I'm going to start going to some of these calls here in a minute. What are the signs that a person might be going into limerence? Okay. Here's some things. Now understand uh, uh, what I'm about to say, please consider carefully because if you go off uh, half-cocked, as they say, and, and do something impulsively, you may cause a whole lot of harm. In other words, please don't accuse someone of something unless you absolutely know that they're doing it. Because if you do, you're going to cause all kinds of trust problems and uh, resentment. And, but what are the kind of things that typically happen when a person starts going into limerence? Well, Typically, you're going to start seeing things like this. You're going to start seeing missing time. What I mean is that between the time the person got off work and the time the person came home, uh, what happened? You know, you seem to be going a whole lot more than, than you were before. I mean, did it really take that long to go to the grocery store? Now, understand when I say missing time, that doesn't mean just every once in a while, like, oh my goodness, you know, that, that happened. But in the sense of, a lot of it, a lot of missing time can be a bad sign. And particularly if when you ask the other person about the missing time, they give very, very vague answers or if they become anxious or if they become angry. So if, if time's missing and you just have a conversation, and by the way, if you attack the other person, they might be anxious or angry anyway, so it might not prove anything. Did you hear that? Don't attack because it may look like limerence just because you attack. In other words, if there's missing time, whatever, what do you do? The first thing you do is this. 
honey, I, I'm getting a little worried because you seem to be gone a lot and I don't know where you are. Can you help me with that? You know, just give me some, help me have some peace of mind. And if your spouse then responds in a calm way with good answers, then that's probably not a problem. But if they become angry or anxious or whatever else, you know, then, or become real vague in answers, okay, it might be a sign. Missing money can be a sign because sometimes when people are in limerence, the fact that they meet each other might be in places they shouldn't be meeting each other and that costs money. If suddenly they start changing their habits, in other words, all of a sudden start losing weight and changing their hairstyle and wearing clothes differently. That's not necessarily a sign of limerence. But when you see that happening with the other kind of things I'm talking about, like, hmm, what's going on here? Or if they suddenly start changing their beliefs and values. In other words, they start doing things they didn't do before, like they never drank before, but now they start going to nightclubs a lot with their friends. If before they were saying, man, people who do that are doing wrong. But now if some conversation comes up and that happens, you find them defending them like, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So if you hear them talking about things that indicate a pretty sudden change in beliefs and values or doing things that indicate a pretty sudden change in beliefs and values, that can be a warning sign. If they suddenly become extremely distant from you. Now, again, we're talking about a whole package of things here, not just any one of these, but become very distant from you in the sense that they just don't want to talk to you or be around you at all. Now, understand, understand. Please don't accuse somebody of limerence by looking at just one or two of these things, because there can be other reasons for all of the things I'm talking about. But if you start seeing these in a package, then it makes sense to start asking questions like, honey, what's going on? Can you tell me? And then you listen to see if they're anxious, angry, or avoiding those three A's. Anxious, angry, or avoiding. Those three A's are not good signs. Even if it's not limerence, those are not good signs. Well, it can be even more than I'm talking about. Like they stay on their, their smartphone a lot texting, but you have no way to see what they're texting. And they make sure that you don't see, or they spend a whole lot of time on the computer and you don't have any access to that. And they make sure that you don't. In other words, they become very secretive in what they do. Or if they change friends all of a sudden, the people that were, they were very close to are like folks at church. They now have nothing to do with anymore, and they've got a whole new set of friends with a very different set of values. Okay, all of those things can be potential signs, but none of them are proof that a person's having limerence, a limerent relationship with somebody else. Now, if you're thinking, well, if I see those things, then should I hire a private detective to find out, or should I sneak a GPS into the car, or should I? Well, you can, but understand this. If you do those kinds of things, and then you catch your spouse doing those kinds of problems, the reaction is not going to be, typically, it's not going to be, oh, my goodness, I'm caught. I need to straighten up. Most of the time, most of the time, the reaction is going to be, how dare you do that to me? And they'll be furious. And rather than it being about what they're doing, it'll be about what you're doing. So be very, very careful here. Very, very careful. Okay, we've had callers waiting for a long time. Let me get to some of these. We're talking to area code 724. Hello, you're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, this is Erica. So I just Hi, have um, I just have a quick question. Um, okay. My husband, my husband, um, he's been he started an affair back in November, and he actually got the other woman pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess I'm just wondering at this point, um, my husband actually cheated on the affair partner um, about I guess a month or so ago. 
and um, supposedly there okay, was a pregnancy. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think I heard that. He cheated on her a month ago? Is that what you said? He did. He did, okay. yes. And, and how, do you, how do you know that? Um, because the affair partner contacted me and told me. Okay, so that's woman number and then, two. Yeah, so woman number one contacted me and told me um, that, we needed to talk, that we needed to talk, and my husband had been lying to her, like insane lies. And then okay. she told me that he had cheated on her and got somebody else pregnant. So there's two pregnant women? Yes, but I think one of those pregnancies either was fake or the woman is going to abort it. Um, okay. So, yes. All right. But um, the other woman, one, got very mad at my husband with a lie and basically kicked him out of her house because they had been living together in secret for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is still pregnant, and so she has still requested that my husband, like, finish the nursery, live with her for the first three months of the baby's life um, when their baby comes, um, but insists and has told me that she does not want to be romantically involved with my husband anymore. Um, and so I'm just wondering, I guess, does a baby extend limerence, or how does limerence work if the person that you know, had the affair and is pregnant, um, I guess is pulling away from my husband at this point because she doesn't know him because every single thing he's told her about himself has been a lie. And mm-hmm. then he cheated on her um, right. as, as well. I guess I'm just mm-hmm. concerned because at this point my husband um, still shows no interest in reconciling with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is now trying to be more involved in our son's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we have a little 20-month-old son. And so okay. I'm just confused to kind of how the limerence will, you know, affect right. him at this point right. with all of this going on. The fact that he impregnated the other woman, and then after she got pregnant, he took up with another woman that apparently he impregnated. The fact that that woman number three is involved brings up a whole lot of questions. One is, it's possible then that he is not in deep limerence with the first affair partner, the one that they first impregnated. Because if you were in deep limerence with her, it would be highly unlikely that, that he would be involved with woman number two. It, unless, and, and here's a caveat, so it gets a little complicated here. If indeed he was in deep limerence with, let's just call her woman A. If he was in deep limerence with woman A, but woman A was pulling away from him and wouldn't have anything to do with him, then it's not unusual for a person who's in limerence with somebody, if they feel rejected by that person, to actually wind up involved with the third person for a period of time. But it's not because of the fact that they really want to be with the third person. It's because of the fact they feel rejected by that second person, woman A. So what we don't know is, was he reacting because she was pushing him away and he wound up with somebody else, or, or was whatever emotional connection he has with her weak enough that he actually became involved with somebody else. Now, and when you I go on to tell you, mm-hmm, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and I can tell you from what woman A has told me that she has tried to get out of the relationship numerous times and for whatever reason always kind of ended up back and not ever leaving my husband alone. Okay. In that case, it may be that he is and has been in deep limits with woman A and woman B is a result of her pushing him away. I've, I've seen that happen a lot of times, and so I know that does happen. All right, now, so back to your original question. You say, okay, the fact that she wants to be done with him, and it's like you, you stay here long enough to fulfill your obligations to this child, 
and then I don't want you here anymore. You're asking how will that affect his limerence? <clears throat> it, it can actually affect it in several ways. The, the birth of another child, a child with the other person, can intensify their connection, but not necessarily their limerent connection. In other words, limerence begins to fade when a connection with the other person becomes solidified. Part of what drives limerence is fear. Having a baby with her means that she's always going to be connected to him in some fashion, and so that can actually start diminishing limerence on his part. Yet, if he feels some responsibility for that child, it actually can strengthen their connection, just not their limerence connection. Like, okay, I, I created this, helped uh, procreate this baby, therefore I have some obligations to this baby, which means I'm going to have to have something to do with her because that child exists. That kind of connection is what I'm talking about. The fact that he still doesn't want to come home, but feels some obligation to your child. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Your I mean, child. all of this just happened. All of this just happened this past weekend. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so like I literally was contacted on Friday about this and mm. he now since then has started to try to make a little more contact with our son and admitted that he needed to rebuild the relationship with his son. And has he indicated anything about a relationship with you? No, he just said that he needs to, he admitted that he's a pathological liar and he said mm -hmm. he needs to talk to like a psychotherapist, which he has, I guess, contacted to try to figure out why he's a pathological liar. And if he has an underlying personality disorder that contributes to that. Yeah. Um, and he said he can't think about a relationship with anybody, her or I, until he gets his head on correctly. And how do you feel about that? Um... I mean, I think it's, I mean, part of that makes sense to me, but at mm -hmm. the same time, he still is, you know, he told me tonight he was with our son before he left that he's going to be traveling um, to a different state the first weekend in July with the um, other woman mm. to get baby furniture from her mm. family. And that irritates me because he still is doing those types of things. And so to me, it's like your focus is still on making it work with her when yeah. she has told me that he is still trying to make it work with her and she's telling him no. Yeah. Well, at some point, if she continues to tell him no, at some point that will eventually end. But understand that um, the, the third woman may be a strong indication or maybe an indication of a strong limerence attachment to her so that he actually acted out when she kept pushing away. So the fact that, she will not reciprocate if indeed she stays with that and doesn't reciprocate. And apparently she's not going to because, because she's become convinced that he's not who she, who he thought she was, which means that's, that's pretty well the end of limerence because when the halo effect goes away and you start seeing the flaws in the other person and all that has cost you, that, that's a real strong killer of limerence. And so let's just assume that she's telling the truth and her limerence is either gone or well on its way out. Might he, for a while, continue to pursue her, hoping that he can reignite that? The answer is, yeah, that's not unusual at all. But if indeed she does not reciprocate, and it sounds surely sounds like she's not going to, if she does not reciprocate, then that limerence will eventually end. Now, when it comes over to him going, uh, his limerence will eventually end. It probably makes sense that he needs to get some true professional help. Let's just hope and pray that he gets a counselor and therapist that knows what he or she is doing and, and one that's not going to be saying things like, well, you just have, need to do whatever makes you happy. Unfortunately, there's some of those out there. And 
and they can they can actually lead people in crazy directions. Let's hope and pray that whoever he finds, do you know who it is yet? By any chance, has he found someone? He said he contacted, um, I guess, a gentleman who was supposed to be contacting him back, and he hasn't heard back, so he said he's going to call in the morning. Um, he's still on my health insurance, so I'm sure at some point I could figure out, you know, who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know specifically who it is at this point. No. Good, good counselors and therapists are worth their weight in gold. Unfortunately, there's some out there, just like any other profession, that boy, you just hope people don't wind up with him. Let's just hope and pray that he winds up with a good one who can help him dig deep and find out why he's a pathological liar. If indeed that can be fixed, if indeed some therapist can help him work through that. Now you do understand that's not a six week therapy session. That's going to be a while. I mean, are you aware mm-hmm. of that? Okay. I, if, indeed, I am. Mm-hmm. if indeed a therapist can help him do that, you may see a better man than you've ever seen before who then would come back to you and say, hey, the right thing to do is put this marriage back together because it's right. And would you give me another chance? And and if you look at him and see that indeed he has changed, he has dealt with that pathological lying, then you may choose to do that. So what I'm hearing actually is a little hopeful. She doesn't want him. Great. That's good. He still wants her. Okay. We understand that. That will go away. That will because of the fact that she doesn't want him. It's going to take a while, but it'll go away. Also, the good news is that he's going to see a therapist. If it's a good therapist who can help him dig to the bottom of that, you're going to see a better man come out of it. And if that better man comes out of it, you've got a shot at putting together a much better marriage than you had before. But his behaviors are pretty well indicating that this man does need, you know that though, right? I do. I guess I'm just concerned that if he, you know, by him getting the help, um, that the other woman then because they have a baby and she doesn't want to be a single mom and she doesn't know what she's going to do, like by him getting the help that it won't somehow spur her to then want to be with him again. That is a possibility. How far along is she? She's due at the end of October. Okay. So still some months. She's like, she's a, yeah. Well, all kinds of possibilities exist. You know that. I mean, I mean, a a meteor might, hit him on on the in the car i mean all kinds of things exist but at least right now at least right now it's headed the right direction and if you're a praying person i'd pray that it keeps going that way and that the right therapist gets in his life that's what i'd pray for so yes yes you're right that possibility exists let's just hope and pray that it doesn't do like that and that he comes back to where he's supposed to be which is in his marriage and to his child there okay thank you Okay. I'm sorry I don't have a, a better answer for you than that, but at least what you're describing is hopeful. Okay? Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. All right, we're going to go, I think it was Pittsburgh, and I believe now we're going to maybe Seattle. I think that's where this is. Area code 360. You're on the Dr. Joe show. Hi, Joe. Hi. Hi, this is um, Annie, and um, I just started your marriage helper. Um, 10 week course. I'm in the second week and mm-hmm. I'm one, not sure if I'm into it far enough to answer this question or um, anyway, the question I have is this, this last weekend, uh, my husband was angry about something and he was stonewalling me, not telling me what was wrong. I mean, obviously I could tell by how he was acting. He was angry about something. Um, and it kind of came to a head after we went to church. Um, he got 
extremely aggressive driving home um, to where he almost cut somebody off. Um, mm. uh, the speed was <laughs> scary, and I got, I got so scared at one point, I yelled at him, and I never yell at him. But I mm-hmm. said, do you have to drive like that, or do you have to do that? And he screamed back and said, yes. And um, I tried to calm down after that because I knew, you know, anytime mm-hmm. you're screaming, you're, you're, you're out of control. So I tried to calm down after that. Um, and a little bit later, uh, maybe five or ten minutes later, I, I very sternly said, don't you ever, or no, um, I said, I would appreciate it that you never drive like this again when I'm in the car. And he said, okay. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's all that was said. And then we went to a, a Father's Day lunch and, um, you know, of course didn't act like anything was wrong. And okay. after we got home a couple of hours, um, he came to me and he said he actually apologized and said i'm sorry um i'm sorry that i scared you when i was driving good um good. so how can i help it, you tonight? It, it wasn't a very sincere apology it was and i think he's been talking to a therapist but i don't know mm-hmm. i'm just wondering how to handle that because because that was really scary i mean that i have never seen him out of control like that before and i'm wondering it could that be a sign that maybe um his his uh limerent partner uh broke up with him or uh because i know you know people will be angry when Mm -hmm. they're hurt it could Um, be but 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 as you know it could be a sign of Anything. I mean, yes, that's a possibility, obviously. <clears throat> the, the, I think rather than trying to figure out why did he do that, which you're not going to know unless he tells you why, I think the good news from this is that you stood up for yourself. Okay, I agree that yelling probably wasn't a great idea, but if, I probably would have yelled too if I were in your shoes. I mean, when it's scary, <laughs> you, scary. you yell. Yeah. But the fact that you then later made that firm statement, not going to tolerate that, and that he came back. Now, don't try to judge the sincerity of his apology. The fact that he came and did it is major. That's a big thing. Whatever he was feeling, he still came and did the right thing, and he apologized. So the good news here is that actually turned out to be a good interaction. Now, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just saying I don't think it's going to help you any at all to try to figure out why was he angry. I mean, at this point, at this point the thing to know is he heard me. He came back and he apologized to me. That means we had a positive interaction that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just keep working on my course and yep. working on me then. Right. Yep, yep. And, and don't feel bad that you yelled. It all turned out okay. <laughs> just, and, and, you, and you were being strong without being mean, and that's good. That's really good. You did well. I work really hard not to be mean because that's good. not like me. And I do know, agree with you that... Him actually saying he was sorry is huge right. because he doesn't usually apologize. So, so it sounds good to me. Okay. Okay. Well, right. thank you for the encouragement. Okay. You're very welcome. You have right, a good right. evening. Okay. We'll take one more call. We're going to go to Illinois on this one. Let's talk to area code 618. Hello. You there? Hello, area code 618. 
Well, apparently not. Okay, we have gone over time anyway. We appreciate you being on the program tonight. Next week, unless we have another glitch, we're going to have Richard and Petra on. They're amazing guests. The most, one of the most popular guests we've ever had, and that'll be on the program next week. Thank you for being with us.